Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, welcome to the program. Happy Monday, Dr. Paul. How are Good. you today? Are you recovered uh, from our little... Slightly. A little, oh, slightly. <laughs> yeah. we, we had a good conference. Saw, you know, so I met a lot of new people. Yeah, yeah. And there were young people there, which I always enjoy. And there were old people who looked very young. <laughs> <laughs> but we also got to visit with our friend that we rely on, and I certainly have known for a long time. And as, of course, uh, Lou Rockwell was yeah, there. Yeah, it was and great. He, he gave a talk, and uh, that was good. And also, uh, the the crowd was pretty darn friendly, yeah. and, uh, and and I know we were able to even introduce some people. We thought, oh, you might like to meet so and so. So, and the atmosphere I thought was very good, and I think. Um, I, I know they would never come up and say, you know, this program isn't going well. <laughs> they, I, we, of course, got the other. They came up, and we had a lot of people compliment us on all the speakers that we had. And uh, the day went quickly. Yeah. So I was, I was very pleased with it. We might do it again someday. Who knows? <laughs> we might. No, it was a great event. And as I announced when we started, one of the great things about it is our second Houston conference uh, and this time was three times the size of our first one. Wow. Uh, so we, we, the room was packed. I think you can agree with that. It was packed. There was a lot of great people. And in fact, we had a little break because we know that people like to get up and talk. And we actually extended it from 30 to about 40 minutes. And we had a hard time settling it back down for Lou's speech. So it was a, it was a big group. It was a big crowd. We had people come from all over. Uh, we had actually... <laughs> A couple of brothers drove down from Canada, super nice guys, uh, Valik Toma. Uh, he wanted to bring his wife, um, Evelina, but she couldn't make it, so she, he wanted us to say hi to her. So they say they watch, <laughs> there the, it is. They watch the show every day, and so I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, and they're terrific guys, a lot of terrific people. You're right, everyone seemed happy. But I also, I mean, I'm also always acutely aware of constructive criticism and how we can do better. And so in our little reception afterward, I was talking to a group, you know, what do you think about this? How we so I always want to approve it. I always want to make it more enjoyable and informative. As you say, people should have fun. They should learn something. And if we put the two together, I think that is the perfect mix. And I think we get a little closer each time. We try to add things. And so it was a great group. I want to do a little show and tell just to give people an idea of what it looked like. And let's put up Scott first. This is Scott Ritter. He gave a tremendous talk. Uh, Biden's mouth is writing checks that the, that the United States body can't cash. It was a great speech. Everyone enjoyed it. Um, let's do the next one, uh, if we can. And that's uh, the, um, the crowd, I think. If we can just put on the next uh, conference photo that we have. I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, oh, here's Lou Rockwell speaking, uh, sitting down. You can see the crowd in the background. You see... Uh, Carol Paul, we know her. There she is. Uh, great group. Let's do the next uh, the next conference picture. It doesn't really matter who, which one it is. Um, here's someone we all know, Dr. Paul, giving a making an emphatic point, uh, and with our great uh, our great um, little conference logo there. And the last one is another good one. And uh, if we can, just put this one up. I like this picture a lot, and we'll put it up on our site. Dr. Paul delivering a strong point to a big crowd. And really, Dr. Paul, the, the, um, the pictures don't do justice to the size of the room. It was a very big room. It was absolutely full. 
Um, good hotel this time. So anyway, I was just really happy with how things went. And I just left with a good feeling, four very different, five very different speeches, all touching on this theme of what is happening to this country and what kind of danger we're in. So I always have my batteries recharged. But what that picture made me think of is uh, we were less political at this convention than we were during politicking yeah. because somebody would sneak up behind me and then take the picture and they had the crowd yeah, too. Yeah. So we're not into politics, we're into <laughs> education. So, yeah. but, but anyway, it, it was a very good group and, uh, and we all had fun there. Want to move on to something that uh, is disturbing to me because it's, it's a reversal of a tradition although not acutely so, but it def definitely is some reversal. And that is uh, the headline at anti-war is NATO to kick off Baltic war games with Finland and Sweden, yeah. you know, and they're, they're getting worried. They want to be and uh, they want to be taken care of. They want to be in NATO. They want the American people to pay for it, that sort of thing. And that, that to me uh, was disappointing, but also, um, it uh, it in, invites uh, you, you know a, a response also too. This doesn't go unnoticed with uh, uh, with uh, with Russia, yeah. you know. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think uh, Putin says, I, "I'm not sitting here worrying about you know who's going to join NATO." <laughs> and in some days, we don't sit and worry about that. Is what the policy is, and what we're doing is yeah. what it is. And that is almost what Putin is saying. He said, "Yeah." Uh, they can be there, but they better not do what he didn't say these words. But what he was saying was, they better not act like Ukraine. Say one thing, and 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 you agree in principle that they won't be moving weapons right up on the Russian border. And that's what he he warned them about. You know, in Scandinavia, Finland, you you yes, fine. Well, we're not going to say much about you joining uh, joining NATO. Uh, and these war games are just. Just sort of intimidation. Why do it? You know, if you know what's going on, if there are problems, why can't this be solved with you know, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of discussion. You yeah. know, be diplomatic. But instead, it's always innuendo. Who's the strongest? And look us up. And look at we have. You know, how many? How many countries were represented there? 16 or something yeah. like that. Everybody just to show. And you know, let's say, let's say there was a skirmish on the border up there. How many of those 16 countries are going to all of a sudden be up in Scandinavia? Yeah. Then be nobody's going to pop up there. Yeah. And uh, except uh, the American taxpayer was, would be uh, the one that would be responsible. And Russia is upset <clears throat> in, about this. And people might come back at, at our position and say, well, why do, you, why do you care what Russia thinks? Why would you base our own, uh, our own military posture on whether or not another country likes what we do or not? And we would agree with that to a degree. We shouldn't base our defensive military posture on whether or not we irritate any other country, obviously. But we should base our military posture on whether it actually reflects a legitimate U.S. national interest. And launching a bunch of weapons on the border with Russia has absolutely nothing to do with keeping L.A. safe, right? Keeping <laughs> New York City safe, keeping Topeka, Kansas safe. It doesn't, re it doesn't reflect in any way the needs to defend our country. And so that's our objection, not the objection that we might irritate someone far away. Uh, it's just that it's an unnecessary irritation. But, but he was specific in talking about 
weapons, American weapons. We financed it. He wasn't saying, you know, that American soldiers were doing it or, or, or if, if we participated, you, you know, it, it would have to be, uh, you know, very direct, which the Americans right now won't. We're not going to do that. We're going to try to <laughs> follow Putin's direction. But uh, that was supposed to be what would be happening, you know, in Eastern Europe and uh, also in, in Ukraine. But all of a sudden they went over and, and we got the weapons and everybody knows we pay for them. And, and you know, they, they, those weapons don't come cheap. And, you know, keeping the military industrial complex, you know, that's a large group of people. We have to keep them happy. And uh, the only way to keep happy is give them about a billion dollars a week. Yeah. You know, matter of fact, it's, so far it's probably more than a billion dollars a week since we've been involved over there now. Well, that'd keep me happy, too. So if they want to keep me happy, I'll take a billion a week. I'll take a billion a year. Um, but it's it's Balt, uh, Balt Ops 22 is the name of the exercise. And I think we have a just a picture of this uh, exercise Baltic operation kicks off, if we can put that up as a visual. Um, and it is 7,000 troops, as you say, 16 countries, uh, including, I don't know if we have that picture of the Baltic the picture of the ships in it, I think, is the one. There we go. Our, our clips got mixed up, so it's my fault, not our, our friends behind the camera's fault today. Exercise Baltic operation kicks off in the Baltic Sea. There are the ships getting ready to sail. 7,000 troops, 16 countries, <coughs> and as you say, including Sweden and Finland this year. Uh, Sweden is actually hosting this event. Neither of the two of them are NATO member countries. They have been traditionally... Uh, uh, they have been traditionally neutral. That neutrality is now going by the wayside, which is a big problem. And I think this is a great argument for why Sweden and Finland should not be allowed in. The Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson, she said, this just shows that Biden's security assurances are backed by actions. Well, that's stupid because we're risking a world war for Sweden, which we shouldn't do. And the other thing is NATO as... You know, we keep hearing it over and over. We've heard it for years, for decades. NATO is a defensive alliance. We're not out there bombing. We're a defensive alliance. Well, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Milley, kind of put the, um, put the truth out there inadvertently. He said the purpose of this exercise is a show of force to Russia. So, so much for just, we're just defensive. We're, no, we're there to show force. We're there to show aggression toward Russia. And again, the question is, What's the purpose? Why? How does it serve America's national interests? Hardly. Uh, in addition to the Swede, uh, Swedish uh, prime minister promising that uh, they, they will respond and they will be looking for help from us, this shows that uh, President Biden's assurances are followed by actions. Now, several other NATO uh, members uh, gave security guarantees. So they're all given guarantees even before they're in, even before there's any legal legal uh, obligation. But that's already been said. We complained about it when it was very clear about Ukraine. You know, they're they're not they're not in NATO. So technically, but the, the technical stuff is just technical nonsense, I think, because it, uh, even if there are commitments, you know, if we decide to do something else, uh, we will. But uh, technically, uh, they're, they're saying that they, they, will, they will be uh, willing to defend these countries before they even get in and sign up 
And uh, I, I see that about the only thing that's going to limit this is, is uh, when the dollar continues to the point where the value of the dollar is so low that we can't afford it. And we're seeing that now. I drove by our friendly neighborhood Bucky's today, and I think it was almost $4.60 a gallon Ooh. of gas. So I'm going to start skateboarding to work, I think, uh, although that wouldn't be a wise idea. But put up that next picture of, uh, with Putin on it, if you can, because this is also, this is from the Libertarian Institute, our good friends over there. Uh, uh, and uh, Putin threatens the multiple launch rocket system transfer to Ukraine will provoke strikes. UK announces shipment of M270 rocket launchers. So, and we did talk about this over the weekend. Uh, the US and the UK are sending over the multiple rocket launchers into Ukraine. Russia, from Medvedev to Lavrov, the foreign minister, to President Putin, the three of them have said, if, you, if these rockets hit Russian territory, there will be a response. We will hit decision-making centers and not necessarily just in Kiev. Very straightforward. Um, they haven't bluffed thus far. Maybe they've decided to adopt our policy of bluffing, but thus far they haven't bluffed. Ukraine allegedly gave assurances to Washington that we're not going to hit Russia. And then literally a few hours later, they said, well, we don't consider Crimea part of Russia, so that's going to be targeted. Well, Russia and the people of Crimea do consider themselves part of Russia. And so you're, 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 we're setting ourselves up for a real face-off, a real showdown, a real game of chicken. Uh, where the stakes are so high, and again, again, the question is, why? What's the purpose? What do we prove by doing this? And as Scott Ritter said in his speech, which hopefully we'll have up, uh, we'll have up soon, this, the, the conclusion of this war has been over for a long time. Russia will win this war. Uh, so all we're doing now is causing more death and damage and destruction. And again, the question is, why? What's the purpose? You know, uh, they give a reason why we're doing this, and uh, the security guarantees are meant to prevent uh, a Russian attack. So they think this is the prevention of the conflict. <laughs> but we we see it differently. We see that when you're in there, because the, when the weapons got close in Ukraine, it was a precipitation. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I I don't think anybody's ever proven that Russia. Well, it would be hard to prove it since it's a, a supposition that uh, Russia, you know, decided to attack in, and, and and the way they saw it, they saw them defending themselves against the weapons that they promised that the West promised they wouldn't put up on the border. Yeah. But that's why this is security guarantee meant to prevent. And yet at the same time, uh, it uh, it looks to us, it's it looks like it's a precipitation. And you know what I think they want in between. Just look look risky, dangerous, they could, and that would serve the you know, warmongers. That would serve the, the war profiteers because they can still build the weapons, waste them. I think there was an article today about how many tanks were, how many tanks that we sent over there were just recently destroyed by the Russians. Yeah, yeah. So, and our military industrial compost loves that. But this reminds me, the point you just made reminds me of something. We did show it on the show, the clip, and I did discuss it in our in my speech at the conference, but this amazing clip between uh, Stephen Walt, uh, Michael McFaul, the former US ambassador, U.S. ambassador to Russia, and Radek Sikorsky, the former Polish prime minister, and in a nutshell, Stephen Walt said, hey, if, if we were never going to have Ukraine and NATO in the first place, why didn't we just say so and avoid all this conflict? And then Sikorsky in the end said, well, if we back off NATO, Russia would have invaded. And Walt rightly pointed out, um, 
Well, they did anyway, right? So that's exactly what you say. They actually did invade. <laughs> so anyway, the next thing we want to talk about, a little bit of COVID stuff, and we haven't covered it too much in a while. And here's something that's been reported and it's been suppressed. Um, so we're basically just reporting on something that happened. Right. And uh, this is a major, uh, uh, you know, you know, executive at, at, uh, at uh, Bayer. Yeah. And he, he's coming out and uh, he, he is saying, he's testifying, and there was a conference going on where at the World Health Organization, but, but he was revealing at least his opinion, and it appears there that he said this, and, and uh, that's what we know. But because it's, for me, it's plausible, yeah. you know, that this is the case, that he says all, all along uh, the, the, the plan was, and the, and, the, and the vaccines, was gene therapy. It was actually altering cells and the genes. And he's, he says in this article that he's quoted as saying that, you know, probably 95% of the people wouldn't have taken it if they yeah. thought they were messing around like that because it would have been a big shift from uh, the usual understanding of what a vaccine does. So he he was doing this. So this is this is getting uh, awfully close uh, to manipulation. This is not directly related, but this whole the whole thing got started with this gain of function, you know, metic, you, you know, messing around with viruses and how did it happen and how did it get it out of China? It wasn't in China. And, and that, that whole thing is, but uh, I, I guess the shame is, is let's assume the truth is coming out. Uh, let's say that uh, there was uh, gene manipulation. And what if uh, the thing that Rand talked about a whole lot, there was some gene gain of function, and the, the real concern should be, did that virus escape and cause all this problem uh, that, that we've been facing? But then again, the big issue is uh, how do you deal with problems like this uh, as a country, authoritarian with lockdowns and all this nonsense. Just think of the economic harm that's still going on from this. Uh, and then on top of it, uh, the, I'm always looking for a positive. <laughs> so if people get this news and say, you know, could they have been messing around with gene therapy, cellular therapy? Uh, and, and also the history now of the last two years, maybe people will ask more questions and not have to wait for the PTA parents to get together yeah. and say, hey, this is nonsense. What are you doing to us? And we don't want to hear from this anymore. So uh, let's hope people are waking up to the truth. And this is a hint at something that should be continued to look at to see, uh, see if anybody else is going to say these same things. Yeah, this idea that we can't tell people it's this or that kind of therapy because uh, nobody would get the shot. That reminds me of remember what Fauci admitted that, well, I, I wasn't really telling the truth on how many percent needed to get the shot for herd immunity because people never would have gone to get it if I said this or that and the other. So I reserved it for that. So I think it's just an example of how of how they lied about things. And, and we wanted to we've been wanting to put this chart up. And I think it kind of fits in what we're saying because we're kind of looking back on COVID a little bit. Yeah, put that up. Now, this is Johns Hopkins University. So this isn't some guy scratching on the back of a napkin. It's daily confirmed COVID-19 cases per million people. We don't know the uh, reason this chart looks the way it does, but certainly something is happening. On the very bottom, you see that flat line with a couple of very tiny blips is India. India infections per million people is, has basically zero. 
and has been zero. And we know and we've talked about the fact that India is one of the lowest vaccinated countries on earth. And then that massive spike is Israel and the medium spike is Portugal, which are two of the most vaccinated countries on earth. We don't know why, but this chart, the data from Johns Hopkins University, which we would assume is accurate, shows something that's not supposed to happen. The most vaccinated countries shouldn't have spikes. The least vaccinated countries should. That's clearly not what's happening. We don't know. But if anybody would suggest it, now they might be able to get, uh, be able to suggest something about natural immunity and not get put in prison. Yeah. But for a while you lost your job and everything else because uh, they said that this is misinformation. But you know, it's interesting, uh, well, at the conference, uh, this subject came up because one of the, uh, one of the attendees came up and said he was from India. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, we were just talking about that chart. So we had a little conversation about this and uh, that was exactly his understanding. And uh, the immunity rate is so high and, they, and it, was all, it was all natural and it was better than all those vaccines. It's just think now uh, the complications from the vaccine. Yeah. Now that, that's not speculation. That's the numbers fact. are there. Yeah. <laughs> CDC even kept track of some of them, yeah. you know, what kind of complications there were. But I thought it was rather interesting that we had somebody from India and he was Confirming very proud it. of the fact that India, uh, you know, had that low rate of infections. Yeah, well the last thing we want to just throw out there a little bit, it's kind of a funny thing, but it, it kind of indicates how things go. And let's put up that next one, next one with our good friend Kim uh, on the cover. Um, Let's see if he's up here. Where's Kim? There he is. Is this the stupidest thing the UN has ever done? And we got this from Zero Hedge, and it comes by way of AmericanMilitaryNews.com. Last week, North Korea assumed control of the chair of the UN Conference on Disarmament. <laughs> that's well, a little funny. That's interesting because, you know, I'm all for diplomacy, and yeah. maybe this organization, maybe it'll come around. But uh, not likely, not likely. Matter of fact, it makes me think that the silliness here, and uh, it, it's, it's amazing that, uh, you know, <laughs> they pick pick North Korea to be in charge of disarmament. But... Uh, it suggests two things to me. Why are we in these entangling alliances and paying all this money? What do we do? We prop up North Korea and get propaganda that they're anti-nuclear. But then again, on weapons control, uh, and similar appointments like this have been ha happened before, in uh, weapons control, but what, what if they were truly were? What, what if there was a group out there that was going to limit the spread of weapons around the world? We'd be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, you know, but it would help us because we'd spend less money on uh, the war industry and more money helping people. You know, <laughs> and uh, maybe being invested in uh, in the economy and not uh, have needing to borrow and, and inflate the currency and do all the ridiculous things here. But I think that uh, it it is ironic, ironic, and, and and for zero hedge call, this is the stupidest thing the UN has ever done. I don't know. They might be right on that. But we can find some other stupid things. In 2020, what did they do? Had China, China was in charge of the Human Rights Commission, yeah. <laughs> you know, for a certain area and a certain group. Yeah, sure, they're going to protect us. But once again, you know, I, I think that uh, we, we, sh we should be a standard. 
but we should set an example. But this whole thing that we get in charge of NATO and the United Nations and then uh, don't set a good example and then they decide, well, we'll force this on them. That's exactly the opposite way. And uh, besides, we don't even have a right moral right to do it unless we've done a little bit of work ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. unless we have a system that's working uh, where, where it wouldn't be necessary to use force, you know, and use, use government force to make people do it because people would say, you know, and there was a time I think America was seen as an example, you know, I say, you know, uh, they're setting a very good example. Right now, we're still wealthy. And that's why they better be very careful because our wealth is all based on debt yeah. and inflated currency. So they, they, can't, <clears throat> they can't say that the United States should be emulated. And uh, certainly uh, we shouldn't be lecturing uh, the United Nations. We should just be out of the United yeah. Nations. Well, like you said before the show, it, on the surface you get a giggle out of the <laughs> fact that North Korea is in head of disarmament, but then you start thinking and scratching your head that the U.S. is the biggest proliferator of weapons <laughs> in the entire world, so maybe we shouldn't be on it either, which is a good excuse right. to, to not be. But I want to thank our viewers. I want to thank all of our attendees at the conference in Houston. Uh, again, it was a great event. It was such a treat to meet so many of you. I wish we could have spent more time talking. Um, if you missed this one, don't worry. September 3rd in the Dulles Airport in Northern Virginia, the Dulles Airport area in Northern Virginia, and then back down here in Lake Jackson, Texas, November 5th. In September, we're going to look at the emergence of the police state and all the different examples from digital currency uh, to your social credit score. We're going to explore that. And then back here in November, we're going to talk about uh, the war on speech, which is also a big uh, topic. So thanks again for watching the show, for coming out to our conferences. If you like what we do, and we're not compromising, right? We are the real deal when it comes to non-interventionism. Uh, you might go to ronpaulinstitute.org and make a tax-deductible donation to keep us going. We operate on a shoestring. We do a lot more than organizations with many, many times the size of our budget and staff. We do it because we work harder. So if you want to keep us going, we do appreciate your tax-deductible contribution. Back to you, Dr. Paul. Very, very good. And I, I, too, want to once again thank our viewers because uh, we wouldn't have much of a program if we didn't have anybody that cared about it. And uh, I, I think uh, that uh, we, we can be proud of what we're doing and we get uh, more people wanting to help uh, every year. So it's, it's something that we, we obviously will uh, continue. You know, today we had some miscellaneous points that we wanted to make. But, you know, the one thing that always comes through for me very clearly is so many of these problems, but it's really uh, domestic uh, economy, economic things as well as international events, that uh, we're in, embedded with people who want to regulate, write more regulations, get in entangling alliances. I think it's a great term uh, to use, and that was one of the reasons we decided to have independent. Too many entangling alliances. We were not supposed to do that. And that's these problems just are so much in, in entanglement. But 
like I say, you know, it's not going to last forever. So our job is to prepare as many people as possible because, believe me, it's not complicated. There are so many benefits from a society that follows the principles of liberty, both in the area of foreign policy and domestic policy, that I don't know why we keep, <clears throat> where we lose this argument because what, what we stand for, I believe, is so far superior and so far uh, above the typical morality of governments per se, and especially what's happening in Washington today. So once again, thank you very much for tuning in today uh, to our program, and please return to the Liberty Report soon.